GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Will you be celebrating Hanukkah? The Jewish festival starts tonight. We hear from Levi Atias and also from the GBC News editor, Christine Vasquez. The GBC Open Day is exactly one week away, just seven days. We find out more about the traditional treasure hunt with its superstar organiser, John Henry Mauro, who always delivers a fun few hours for the many teams who take part. And we tell you about an exercise to check Gibraltar's readiness for a terrorist attack. Jonathan Sacramento has the details. But first... Have you got a Christmas party planned? It's a time of the year when many of us spend quality time with friends and family. But if, like me, you want to factor in a glass of wine, then part of the planning has to be, how am I going to get home? The RGP is working with the Defence Police and the Military Police to make sure that everyone makes it home for Christmas. Their drink-driving campaign sees more officers on the road during the festive weeks, targeting anyone behind the wheel who may be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. The RGP says usually in the run-up to Christmas, Gibraltar sees an increase in drink-driving offences. So Inspector Daniel Ruffle is here to tell us why this is one Christmas tradition we should try to change. Absolutely. Um, sadly, we're still seeing too many uh, drink drivers on our road, as well as drug drivers as well. Um, I mean, for the year at the moment, we've arrested approximately 120 people uh, for the offence of drink and drug driving, which is 120 too many. And that's uh, so one every, well, how many days? Have we, one it's, every three days, more or less. No, absolutely. I mean, every weekend, at least. Absolutely. I mean, weekends are the statistically, you know, the, the ones where we tend to get a few more uh, due to people going out, um, obviously, to drink uh, away from the, the workday. Um, but um, it, it's too many. I mean, this year, I'm sorry, this month uh, in December, we've already had um, four um, drink drivers. So is it picking up then? <laughs> Probably, no? It, it's sad. Um, but as you said, uh, quite rightly said, we've got the Christmas parties coming now. Um, and so there's the there's the habit of, because it's bad weather that we've been having and it's cold, it's the, oh, my motorbike's over there or my car's parked around the corner. It's less than, you know, 20 minutes, uh, you know, or two minutes drive down the road and I'm going to get away with it. Um, and sadly, some people do get away with it, but we actually do catch, uh, obviously, people doing it. And there's, and there's massive consequences for those persons that are caught. And the reason is that your, um, uh, your reflexes are impaired, your ability to ride safely is less than it would be normally, and therefore you pose a risk to not just yourself, but other people. You do. Um, we've all, the majority of adults will have an alcoholic beverage. There are obviously people that don't. But people who obviously drink know that the more you drink, um, obviously, the less you have of control of yourself. And that's exactly the same uh, when you drive a motor vehicle. Um, sadly, the, I mean, some statistics that we've got um, is that, you know, one in seven accidents uh, in, the, in the United Kingdom um, involve either drink or drugs. Um, and 3,000 people in the UK are killed or seriously injured on a yearly basis because of drink driving. Now, I appreciate this is Gibraltar. Um, and, but if you bring it into the smaller community that we've got, if you look at the, we've, you know, 120 people over the last year have been arrested, um, it, it's quite 
it's quite scary that we still have that culture at the moment of people drinking, driving and drug driving, which we now can target as well. And is that principally cannabis when you talk about drug driving? Um, in Gibraltar it is. It's cannabis and cocaine. Um, they're the two major factors that we see. Um, we're very lucky as a society. Um, we don't have the heroin issue uh, and the, the other issues that some other countries have, but we do have uh, a lot of cannabis and cocaine use that uh, is indicated on the machines that we use. So how does it work? Uh, you, you guys are, are out in the evenings uh, and also... During the days as well. During the day? Absolutely. So my team is six. Um, one of the questions that's been asked is, why don't we do this all year round? Well, we've demonstrated that we do do this all year round, but we concentrate it as, at Christmas, as you've rightly said, because it is the Christmas party season. People go out in large numbers to drink and drive, and sadly there are the few that obviously um, you know, take that risk, not only to themselves, but to other people. And that's the problem. It's, it's the consequence of what happens. You may get away with it. You may get away with it once, twice or three times. But if you get caught, and the sad thing here is if you get caught, the majority of people are normal, hardworking people that have a job. It's not the criminality, although they do do it. It is the normal member of public. The knock-on effect can be absolutely huge. You will go to court. You will be named in court because, you know, it's within the public environment uh, and with a small community within Gibraltar as well. Um, if you're found guilty of that offence, you're looking at a disqualification up to the courts, usually around nine months to 12 months. So you won't be able to drive you for that period, which could also have an impact on your on your life. It probably will. Uh, Absolutely. Being able to, to maybe drive for work or, or, or to drive your family members around. Going over to Spain, uh, you know, going on holiday, you lose your licence. You have to tell your insurance company, your insurance company premiums go up. You know, it is, it is a huge, a huge thing to happen. And again, sadly... The fatals that I've dealt with, not here in Gibraltar, but obviously when I was traffic over in the UK, it's the innocent person, as in the drink driver, as in the innocent person, because they, they have committed no criminality, but they've done the drink driving, end up killing someone, and they go to prison over it. And that's the ultimate thing with drink driving, is that because you lose your sort of motor functions, the likelihood is if you have an accident, you're, you're involving someone else, and if you kill them, you will go to prison. You will go to prison. There is no ifs, no buts over it. And obviously, if you've got alcohol or drugs within your system, it's an aggravating factor that can put a more onto your sentence within a court of law. And who wants that on their conscience? Exactly. Okay, so um, is there a way, uh, as you said, uh, a lot of us do enjoy a glass of wine, especially um, you know when you're getting together with friends and family over uh, the Christmas period. Uh, is there a way of knowing how much you can drink and, and, and you know and, and when you would be safe to to drive the honest answer to that is is no okay um we are still one of the few countries uh, along with uh, the uk that still have a tolerance of, of drink driving uh, the legal limit is 35 ug um of, of alcohol within your system um which is the equivalent to this is the problem you can't really ever say it's a proper equivalent but it's equivalent to two weak pints of Foster's um, alcohol, let's say. But it affects everybody in different ways. We all know if we've had a heavy meal and we go out and have a, a beer, we feel absolutely fine. Yet if you haven't had anything to eat and have a beer, you can feel, you know, very, very drunk indeed. And that's the issue. Alcohol affects people in very, very different ways. Weight, height, what you've eaten, you know, medication that you're on. So the general rule of thumb is if you go out in the evening and you are going to drive a mechanically propelled vehicle, and we're talking about plets here as well, e-scooters. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely, because the other issue we've got is Bicycles. people go, ah, yeah, and bicycles. People go, oh, you know, 
I'm, I'm not going to drive my car, I'm going to go onto an e-scooter. You're still committing an offence which you can, will go to court and you will face a final disqualification in court uh, as And well. we have seen we have, it yes. successfully prosecuted, no? Plets now are probably running alongside prosecution levels with uh, with cars um, because there is a lot of persons using plets and they're going 25 kilometres an hour. If you're hit by a plet, you're going to be injured. So they are treated the same as as a as a motor as a motor vehicle. Excuse uh, me. Yeah, um, and and if you if you do have a glass of wine, um, it, there's no way of getting your body to process it quickly. It takes time to for the body to process. No, it, it does. And, and in particular, I'm thinking about. Um, the morning after, mm-hmm. because uh, I know that the, the, the RGP has spoken about this, that uh, on occasion you've uh, been out in the morning mm-hmm. and you've found somebody mm-hmm. um, who perhaps is, is driving a bit inconsistently and they are over the limit because of the drinking that they did the night before. That's absolutely correct, which is the reason why my team uh, is targeting not only mornings but nights. We, we're working... Um, very flexible hours at the moment. I'm not going to obviously tell you the times, but working very, very flexible hours at the moment as a team, targeting both, you know, the mornings, the afternoons, evenings and nights. Um, It's the person who comes in at three o'clock in the morning. They've been out in the evening um, and they're going to play football, let's say, at eight. They go to sleep, they wake up, they feel fine, they jump into the car, but what they don't realise is they're still over the legally prescribed limit. Okay, so so basically the the takeaway message is if if you're going to have a drink in the coming days and weeks, just make another plan, uh, get a taxi, get a bus if it's early enough, or, or walk because Gibraltar is a fairly small place. And that's the beauty about Gibraltar. We are you know five kilometres long, two and a half kilometres wide. We can walk. I know everyone can't, but we can walk. We've got the night buses, we have taxis, or you've got a designated driver. There is no need to drive your vehicle home with the distances that we're seeing. And some of the people that have been arrested live three, four hundred metres away. Yeah, so there's no excuse. Not at all. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Hanukkah is the Jewish festival of lights. It uh, arrives late each year, marking a time for both celebration and reflection. And this year it runs from sundown tonight to sundown next Friday, December the 15th. And here to tell us a little bit more is Christine Vasquez, our news editor. Christine. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, yes, so I've been talking to Levi Diaz this morning about Hanukkah. And uh, it's celebrated over eight days. It's a minor holiday in that it carries no obligations. But I think perhaps because it falls around Christmas, around the festive season, it's perhaps one of the best known and best loved Jewish feasts. So Levi explained that it dates back to the occupation of Israel by Syrian Greeks and the attempts to convert the Jews. It commemorates the rededication of the Second Temple of Jerusalem. So let me tell you what happens. Every night... Uh, OK, so the holiday is based around the fact that there was only oil for one day at the time. And there ended up uh, being enough oil to light the temple for Eight days, so a bit like the loaves and the fishes in the new temp- in the New Testament. So every night a candle is lit from the other on the Hanukkah candelabra or menorah until you have all candles lit over the eight days. And that, the that's can- the symbol of the festival, isn't it? That's that, that right. Candle. The, the oil, the the oil originally, and it's normally placed on a window as a manifestation of faith. All right. Shall we hear from Levi now? Uh, Hanukkah is the festival of lights and we are commanded to look at the lights. We try to transmit light 
to the outside world. That's what we. That's why we place the Hanukkah, uh, the, the Hanukkah candelabrum by the windowsill uh, for two reasons, really. The first one is to transmit that sense of light and also as a sign of we're here, we believe in people's right to believe. But I also think that in the Gibraltar where we live so close to each other, it's absolutely marvellous when I light my Hanukkah candle on my windowsill and I look down and I see the Christmas lights and there's a beautiful fusion of the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Hanukkah, we look to um, advancing, enhancing a spiritual essence. Uh, I'm not referring to religious necessarily, but just a spiritual essence of conviviality, of love, of sharing, of helping each other as members of the wider community. Leviatias speaking to Christine Vasquez, who's in the studio here. Uh, so, uh, Christine, we're talking about Hanukkah and um, what, what was the ambiente like, or what is the ambiente like about around the Jewish community? Well, um, it's it's lovely to hear Levi talk about uh, that spirit of conviviality that exists in Gibraltar. Uh, as we said, the menorah or the Hanukkah candle is placed on a window as a symbol of faith. And there will be many Jews around the world who will be scared to do that now uh, because of the conflict in the Middle East, because of the international rise in anti-Semitism. We hear reports of Jews feeling scared, threatened in the UK. And I asked him how the Jewish community felt in Gibraltar. And he said that there is an awareness of this anti-Semitism. Of course there is. The Jewish community takes security precautions. But it was it was very um, reassuring to hear that he believes it's the makeup of Gibraltar that where communities are all part of one community and which allows, he said, for face-to-face interactions. So people know, know each other as fellow Gibraltarians and celebrate what they have perhaps in common as opposed to differences. The way he put it is, I know you, I know you're Jonathan Scott, I don't know whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Catholic, atheist, we just know each other as people. Yeah, beautiful sentiment. Long may that continue. Um, okay, so it, it, it is a, a Gibraltarian Jewish community that we're talking about. So food will be involved in this festival, no? Food is always involved. And I think especially with the Jewish community as well. Um, but with oil at the, house, at the heart of the feast, there will be a lot of sort of deep fried. So there will be deep fried potato. And I think it's pronounced latkes. I'm not very really sure how it's pronounced. And jelly donuts. So um, eight days of um, of feast of holiday for the Jewish community. So from all of us, Hag Hanukkah Sameach. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. One week to go to the GBC Open Day, Gibraltar's biggest fundraiser. The whole community comes together to support a lot of worthy causes, a lot of local charities. And uh, one of the biggest events always is the Treasure Hunt. And it's back again. Uh, It'll operate from the Muga, from the Bayside Sports Centre. It'll start and finish there and promises to be just as big and as much fun as always. And here to give us uh, all the details you need and maybe entice you if you're sitting on the fence is superstar organiser John 
Henry Mauro. Uh, lovely to have you, John Henry. Afternoon, Jonathan, and thanks for having me. Como ta? All right? Muy bien, thank you. <laughs> Good. And uh, how's the how are the preparations going? Yeah, well, well, well underway. Um, we've had our own small team meetings a few times already this week just to finalise the last uh, few um, special challenges, as always. Um, but it's shaping up to be a really, really great night. Bought. Excellent. And, and uh, I mean, no joke, I was at the um, Convent Christmas Fair last week and um, and one of the um, people running a stall there said, it's my favourite night of the year because the open day treasure hunt is so much fun. Um, uh, and there is this sort of, there's a, a, a number of people no, who take part every year, take it seriously, but with uh, uh, the best possible kind of good humour. Yeah, it's fantastic and it's always good to hear that sort of feedback and it literally comes in, you're, you're in, you're out. And no matter the challenge of, you know, trying to prepare for all these different um, questions, the mini um, physical challenges that we arrange for everyone. Um, and it's uh, it's always been a really good night and people really step up to the occasion. Um, this year we've particularly um, been focusing on that fancy dress elements that is always a big, big hitter. And we actually want to bring in the community involved in that. So we'll okay. be posting up those on Instagram on the night. And then people can actually vote for their favourite um, uh, nice. fancy dress. So they can get the community, even if they're sitting at home, because they can't make that night. Um, although hopefully we'll still have time to sign up. Um, yeah, they can actually still get involved that way as well. Brilliant. Okay, so so basically those who are taking part in the treasure hunt will dress up in fancy dress. And, and then... Uh, if you're watching, hopefully you will be, uh, or listening to, but I mean, this is a visual one, so watching uh, the GBC Open Day at home, uh, then um, if you go to the social media, well, I suppose if you could be listening on Radio Gibraltar, and then go to the social media and check on, um, to see which fancy dress you think deserves a, a prize, no? Exactly, yeah, and like I said, the whole treasure hunt is to bring the community together, you know, as we love it as the Third Europa Scout Association to really be part of this um, thing, we've been in it now for seven years, bar COVID, obviously, that, um, we had to take a bit of a rest there, but, um, and it's always something we really, really look forward to, we work very hard towards the team as a whole, um, put a lot of effort and yeah, like I say, we're really looking forward to it. And so far, 33 teams, which is... What? Yeah. And 33? Yeah, and that's actually quite a lot for this point. Normally, it's very common. Everyone signs up the last two, three days. Claro. If you can, please sign up earlier because it does make administration a lot easier on everybody's part. Um, but to have 33 teams, we're still a week to go. Um, I think we might break the, the, the record this that's year. That's amazing. Uh, can you cope with that number? Definitely. I mean, we've never put a limit. We've always said as long as we can manage it and cope with it, if we've ever thought that, look, we're really pushing it now, we would start selling people. But um, last year we had a bit 51 teams on it um, and that was more than manageable and people really, really enjoyed themselves. Um, we always take the feedback. You know, some people said it was a bit too hard last year. So we've, we've taken that on board and hopefully made those questions a little bit easier and more accessible for everybody because ultimately it's all about having fun and yeah. more importantly, raising money for GPC Open Day. Yeah, so I suppose you could, there's almost a danger that you get lost in the sort of, um, in the preparation and production of the treasure hunt in, in the minds of those who are sort of competing to win it uh, and who are very good at it, <laughs> but you want to make it accessible to as many people as possible so they stand a chance, so they get involved uh, because it is about having fun. Exactly, and it's all about, that's the main bit, bit you know, raising the money for the GBC Open Day, um, giving back to the charities, giving back to the community as a whole. And yeah, definitely. And if we can make it easier by, you know, making some of the questions a bit easier. We've got um, a lot of fun challenges this year, which I think people really, really enjoy to get involved with once they're out there. Um, 
And yeah, you know, there's always going to be dancing, there's going to be singing, there's going to be uh, a lot of running around. Um, and it's, it'll shape up to be a great night, I'm sure. So how do you approach it? You you, you want there to be an element of um, um, them moving around Gibraltar uh, and and doing sort of physical stuff, but but you also have to um, sort of test them at their minds and, and, and you've got riddles and, and that sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. So um, as soon as they get there, they you know obviously greet them. We have a little stand that we set up ourselves with um, some of our older um, Explorer Scouts, which, you know, be serving things like hot chocolate, coffees, soft drinks, etc. So, you know, again, already developing that community with everyone there. And there's there's also the key normal challenges. We always do a little fancy dress challenges from there. There's a photo challenge. Um, the fancy dress, like we've already mentioned, is a bonus that people can come in and dress up. And, and I know mm-hmm. people really go to town. Yeah. We've even had a whole car once completely decorated as a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> you know, so people really do go to town, and, and it's and it's a lot of enjoyment to see people That's really lovely. gathering together for the, for this event. Definitely. And and um, so if somebody's listening to this, uh, it can be uh, an office team, it can be a group of friends, it could be a family. Uh, you're after just uh, what three to five people, no? Yeah, basically, it's, it's what fits in the car. So usually five is what we say as a max. Um, but yeah, www.gbc.gi forward slash treasure hunt. The whole application is there. You can pay online as well. So it's very easy to do so. It's very accessible. Um, and yeah, get your office workers together. Get your group of friends together. Um, there's definitely people out there, which I know have been saying, I want to do it. I'm just trying to get the right people. The right people are the people that are there for a laugh, which just want to go have fun. And obviously, as long as you have one person that can drive, everyone else can just get involved. Uh, okay, so you do need to have one car uh, sort of designated per team to move around, no? Definitely, you need, you need you do need a car. Um, we did have one team try walking last year and unfortunately it felt bad for them because right. they, they just didn't realise. Um, but we, even then, we, we knew someone that had a van and he's helped them sort them out as well. So oh. again, we're there as a community, we're all there to help each other nice, out. Nice, nice. Um, so it's all about, again... What about, what about like e-bikes? Do you think we could, or, or maybe even the, the hoppy scooters? Would that work or...? It should be in a car. We want everyone together to stay in one team. Um, when you get there, you'll sign a little declaration that you're going to you know, stick as a team. And we do have um, a few of our guys around in different locations to make sure, obviously, people don't cheat. Uh, but again, it's all about the fun. It's all about really competing and um, just enjoying the night overall. Okay, and um, and you mentioned raising money for the GBC Open Day, which supports some um, excellent charities. Uh, so it, it's a, an, en- a, an entry fee of £10 per person, no? Yeah, £10 per person, like I say, on gbc.gi forward slash treasure hunt. The whole application process is there. You just fill in all the details and send the payments through there as well online. So, yeah, pretty fast and easy to go. And on the night, like I say, as well, we'll be serving some drinks, some hot chocolates, tea. So, you know, bring some money. We'll have our card machine there anyway um, for some hot dogs and snacks as well. Um, and, yeah, make a good night of it. And how long, how long does it tend to last? The actual hunt is two hours. People do need to be there about 45 minutes earlier to, you know, get the paperwork, make sure everyone's there. We have a bit of a safety talk with that, the drivers. That's 45 minutes, not three yeah. quarters of an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 7.15 arrival. Exactly. And so we'll do that, start off the treasure hunt, two hours for the actual hunt, and then normally we've, we're done within an hour after that by the time we announce all the winners and the prizes, etc. So wrapping up by 11, 11.30 maybe, no? That's the plan, yeah. We're by 11 o'clock, we try to be everyone out of there as much as possible. Um... And a big thanks to the GSLA for, again for letting us use the Mooga and the area um, for that evening. But, but with but no doubt, I'm looking forward to it. And thank you, you very much for having me on. You, on you rise to the challenge, <laughs> won't you? I'm sure you will. Thank you so much. Definitely, <laughs> we're looking forward to it. Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott.
There was an exercise this morning to check Gibraltar's preparedness for a terrorist attack. And uh, our reporter Jonathan Sacramento was there. Uh, Jonathan, we know it was multi-agency. Who was involved and, and what did it involve? It involved, uh, well, principally the Civil Contingencies Committee and uh, uh, agency. Uh, they're the ones coordinating everything from number six. and uh, But the agencies involved are police as first responders and uh, the uh, St. John Ambulance and the GHA, uh, the Fire and Rescue Service. Uh, those are the agencies who were initially involved in this particular exercise because it's supposed to be a response to a terrorist attack. Now... Obviously, this is the one thing that we prepare for that we hope we never have to deal with. Claro. But it's, uh, it, it works in the following way. They, these guys have been planning this, the civil contingencies have been planning this for months, but the emergency services don't know what, what's happening. They, they know okay. that they have to prepare for an exercise. So, so they set aside time. No, like well, they knew yeah, something I mean, was happening. It's, no? it's the same as, Jonathan, with us. When, whenever we have to introduce a new work, st work stream or workflow, you set a, everyone who's working towards the day's work is working towards the day's work and everyone who's off shift then plan for the exercise. Does extra on, uh, exactly. on overtime so, or whatever. So they have to set people aside for that. Claro, because you, 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 you can't leave Gibraltar without police. Right. So, oh no, sorry, we're, we're at an exercise right now. <laughs> Please no, call back later. Uh, exactly. So, so, um, so these people who are, who are off, so they have to set people aside so they know what day the exercise is going to be on. But they don't know what time, they don't know what's going to happen, they don't know what they're going to be responding to, they don't, they don't know what they're going to find when they get there. So they turn up at 9.30, well, a little bit after 9.30, 9.30 was the call, and they find at the mount that there's been a security uh, committee conference uh, at the mount but it's been attacked by two terrorists inside a car. They've driven in, in a red car, and they've run over several people, and then okay. one it, of them... Just, just to be clear, this yes, is, this this is, is an fictitious... This <laughs> hasn't happened. If you've just joined us. If you've just joined us, this is uh, Jonathan Sacramento recounting an exercise. Yes. Uh, carry on, Jonathan. Okay, so, they, so the they, car they, drove they in. drive in, they, they run over a number of people, and then they alight from the car, or one of them does, and start stabbing people with a knife and then throws a petrol bomb into the mount, into the building, and kills several people. My goodness. So there's people lying around everywhere. Yeah. These are people who are role-playing, by the way. Um, they're, they're, they've got, like, makeup artists there drawing uh, quite horrific-looking wounds on their heads and their limbs, etc. So everyone's lying around, dripping in blood, and, uh, and uh, screaming because they're, you know, they're role-playing the role of victims, and the police arrive, and this is what they find. So uh, so they have to put, I mean, very quickly a chain of command is established, although as the services start arriving, they have to establish that. Right? Who's directing whom to what area? So the, they start assigning roles. The firefighters, for example, have to start uh, bringing out their hydraulic equipment to start pumping the vehicle and lifting it off. The, and the, uh, uh, the paramedics and the... The nurses have to establish a triage and they set up a little sort of like tent on the side and uh, and a reaction board and the works. I mean, look, I mean, I can't <laughs> uh, recount absolutely everything that everyone was doing, but I've given you a flavor yeah, yeah, of yeah. how quick... Paints a picture. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, um, I mean, look, uh, if you're there and you're watching it, obviously you, you, this is not a real incident. So the level of 
adrenaline and panic and and cool heads amidst chaos that you're going to find in a real incident is not what you're finding there. You're finding people kind of like going through the motions and establishing it. It's not the same. You know, you know what I'm saying? Not the same intensity. Oh, of course. Um, you know, so, so people are ticking the boxes and going through the motions and they're establishing where things could be perhaps improved upon and what lessons can be learned so that the day that there is a real incident, God forbid, that you'll find that sort of like hesitance or, or, or that uh, sort of like absence, a weak link here and there. Um, so... Well, um, so that that's what it is. And simultaneously, there's stuff going on at number six. Everyone's going down into the bunker, including the chief minister, and start. they establish that sort of like gold command thing that, that, that they do where everything is like tabletop with respondents uh, providing information. Uh, so, I mean, essentially... Interesante. The, yeah, yeah. See, uh, and, and, uh, lessons learned, no? There'll be a debrief. And... Yes, there's, there'll be a debrief tomorrow. The exercise is still ongoing because... Uh, one of the terrorists has fled the scene and is at large in Gibraltar. This is an exercise. <laughs> Sorry, I just I just have to say that in case everyone anyone has just tuned in. So uh, so there's an exercise in which uh, a terrorist is still at large in Gibraltar. And the police are uh, exercising a uh, Gibraltar-wide manhunt. So if you hear sirens and uh, emergency services rushing around, please don't be alarmed. This is just an exercise. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.